to a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father, who replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly called out, cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. The spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. And afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. You may be seated. As you are being seated, that last verse where Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out or can be cast out only by prayer. In the King James rendering, it is by prayer and fasting. And I wanted to point that out, that some some renderings and, and what the footnotes will say is uh, some translations will say in some uh, manuscripts, fasting is not included. But in the King James, it's, it, it says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. I wanted to point that out to you. For a father who truly loved his son, this would have been a very painful and frustrating state of life. Oh, how he must have longed to save his boy from the grip of a demon. It strikes me that this man knew that his son was possessed. That this was a demon attacking his boy. I'm sure he would have protected his boy if only he could. I'm sure he would have done something earlier if only he could. After all, his son was being tortured right in front of him. And I'm sure it was horrible. I imagine it was a helpless feeling watching his little boy convulse. And how did it make this dad feel that his son had nearly drowned and was thrown into fire and burned on his watch? From the perspective of a father, seeing his son suffer like this would have been tormenting, would have been horrible. And I have no doubt that the thought crossed this dad's mind why couldn't it be me? I trade places with him. This was something, try as this dad may have, that this dad would have been unable to fix. Even if he were a fixer, he couldn't have fixed this. Sometimes being a good father isn't easy at all. I know that's also true of being a good mother. Sometimes things happen with our children and we can't protect them or we can't fix it, right? We all have gone through those painful moments, if we have ever been a parent, when we watched our kids uh, suffer the consequences of painful things coming into their lives. And it would have been okay if we could have been present maybe to help, but no, we can't always be there. That's one of the challenges of being a parent. Things happen to children sometimes. And because they are human beings with their own free will, sometimes fathers and mothers watch their children deal with consequences of their own poor choices. I think today 
of parents who have older children and maybe even in the adult years who have watched their children's choices lead them to imprisonment to addictions. And I think how painful it is. I think about the, the epidemic that we have in our society in America right now of heroin addiction and how many young lives have been lost to that and what parents must go through. I don't think there's a father to any of these children who wouldn't have done all that he knew how to do to rescue them. But sometimes you can't fix it. And that was the experience of this dad. It wasn't easy at all. It's my hope that no father here will be in a circumstance that ever leads them to be in the depth of desperation that the father in our scripture was facing. I hope that you never have to watch your child tormented and tortured. Good grief. He actually knew that his son was being tortured by a being much more powerful than himself. And he could not do one thing to release his son from the grip of this satanic visitor. He wasn't able to rescue his own boy. So we may or may not be in such a circumstance. But I do think that the father's actions here. And what the father did were a direct cause of his son eventually being set free and healed by a powerful savior of the world. I do think that what this father did was what was necessary to get his son help. And so I want to look at it. I think it's worth us considering and translating this to today's day when there are times when our children are in situations that um, we can't fix. As a father, he recognized the danger his child was in. So fathers, let me ask you a question. It's rhetorical. You don't answer it out loud. If when your child would be asleep tonight, you found that someone was breaking into your house and they were bent on destroying and harming your child, Would you just roll over in bed and try to ignore it? Or would you go back to sleep? Of course I know you wouldn't roll over. Of course you would do anything that you could. You would do whatever you had to to stop the person from coming in to harm your child. You would do what you had to to protect your child from being uh, destroyed by a threat like that. You would recognize the danger. You would recognize the threat and you would take action to eliminate it. You wouldn't pretend it wasn't there if somebody were entering your house to harm your family. No, your child is not going to be harmed on your watch as long as you have any strength in your body. I know what it is like to be a dad and I know what you feel in your heart, men, if you think about somebody breaking into your home to harm your child. Let me ask you something else. If you see your child doing something that is very dangerous, would you just ignore it? Or would you take steps to stop what they are doing for their own sake? Of course you would take steps. Of course you would. Because you're their dad. You're their parent. So while I'm being Captain Obvious on all of this, I want to declare that the father of our scripture recognized the danger that his child was in. He didn't bury his head in the sand and he didn't pretend that something wasn't very wrong for his son. It was 
obvious to him. And he recognized this as a danger. Further, though, he was able to discern that this form of epilepsy, and one of the other accounts in the gospel identifies that this boy had epilepsy, he recognized this wasn't ordinary, run-of-the-mill epilepsy. This epilepsy came upon his son as a result of a demonic attack. And this father didn't bury his head in the sand. This father didn't uh, uh, look away and say, well, it's his life and I can't really, uh, I don't want to offend my son uh, by telling him something's wrong with him. No, this father didn't concern himself with other people's opinions when he said, my son has a demon in him. My son is being destroyed by this demon. He didn't get embarrassed. He didn't try to protect the family name. He recognized there's a problem here. And he stepped up and he saw that it, that there was something going on. He didn't resign to the problem as if that's just the way things were going to be for his son. And he didn't just write him off. No, he understood what was happening to his son. And he knew that what was going on would utterly take his life. He knew one day, one day, this son would be burned or drowned or something worse, thrown off a cliff. Something was going to happen with him. Now, I don't see, as I said, any indication in this story that the father was too concerned about other people's opinion with him identifying the problem. He recognized it. And I don't see him really being too worried about whether his son wanted to go see Jesus or not. Oh, my. I get a little scared at some of the parenting I see these days. <laughs> we let the inmates run the asylum. I'm, I'm not going to say much about that, but oh, my word. Let me tell you, my dad, I mean, you know, he's old school. Okay, he's 92 years old. He's still my dad. And when my dad thinks something, he doesn't hold back. And when I was growing up, if my dad said we were going somewhere, there was no debating with him. Oh, I would attempt to sometimes because I thought I was smarter than he is when I was a teenager. But I never won that. Because my dad wasn't all that concerned about what I wanted at that moment. He had in his mind what would happen. And so that's how it is. I still remember a time I had a terrible toothache. And, and we didn't have money as a family. So this was a big decision uh, on, my dad's, on my dad's part. And he just said to me one day, well, we got to go to a dentist and we have to have that tooth taken care of. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to a dentist. I was afraid of the dentist chair. The only times I had ever gone, they inflicted pain on me back then, you know, and I didn't want to go. It didn't matter. I went. My dad didn't say, oh, oh, well, if you're scared, son, I'm not going to take you. I'm making a point. Dads, because I know you would not just allow someone to come into your harm, your homes and harm your family. I want to alert you today that someone is Trying to come into your home and is probably coming in to your home to harm your family. And I submit that marriages and families are consistently under the threat of being destroyed. There are destructive entities that come to virtually almost every home in America gaining access to our minds and our hearts and the minds of our children. These home invaders, these destructive entities 
come through our computers, our television sets, our phones, our iPods and radios to name just some of the sources and avenues of access. They are in books. They are in magazines. They come in the form of friends and associates and even come in from inside the church at times. I'm talking about influences in our lives and in the lives of our families. And dads, what I'm advocating for us. Since we have this natural bent that God gave us to be the protector, I'm advocating some guard duty over our homes and our children and our families. Vigilance against unholy, destructive uh, influences infiltrating into your family. Please don't stick your head in the sand. Listen, for biblical Christians, this world is enemy territory. This world does not. Belong to us Christians. It does not. The Bible clearly tells us in John chapter 12, John chapter 14, John chapter 16, and many other passages that the ruler of this world is Satan. That's what the Bible calls him, the ruler of the, the principality, ruler of the world. He is the one who will ultimately lead to its destruction. This world that we live in is his domain. And we're not going to one day totally overcome the world in the sense that we are going to just fix all the problems as the church and and then uh, repopulate the earth or something like that. No, the Bible clearly says that this earth is going bye-bye. Don't get enamored with this world. Don't get enamored with the things of this world. It will be gone one day. Set your eyes and your heart and your affections on things above, we are told in Scripture. And so we need to understand we live in a fallen, broken planet. And it isn't going to always remain as it is. There will be a new home. And our new home is eternity. Our new home is with our God, our Heavenly Father. And there's where our hearts should be set today. And so I'm advocating, please let's not bury our head in the sand and fall in love with this world. On a side note, that's why I I urge you, don't get enamored with it. Our home is so much better. So the victory for Christians is not that we will one day somehow conquer the world. The victory for us is in spite of the fact that we live in a broken world, we will one day be taken out by the glorious Lord of glory. And we will be given a new place despite the polluted sinful world we live in. One day we will emerge from all of this muck, from all of this mire. And, and we will be more than overcomers because of what Jesus has done. And we'll be with him. And part of the ways that we emerge victorious is through being on guard against the pollutions of this world and the sin of this world. I'm going to say something that probably is going to annoy a few of you. But some of us are far too comfortable with the sin that we are around. Amen, oh my, or ouch. And some of us are a little bit too lazy to protect our families from the horrible influences that come in. I'm I'm advocating actually paying attention to what your children are doing. I'm actually advocating and, and I am stating to you that no marriage is invulnerable. My wife and I yesterday, I was talking to her as... It was 39 years ago on a Saturday 
as of yesterday, 39 years ago, that I stood in front of a preacher in a church and watched this lady come down the aisle. And for some reason, she was really, really nervous. Why? Why? She was marrying me. But anyway, 39 years. 39 years. And I will, I love my wife. And I'm very grateful that somehow, by God's grace, he gave me a woman that puts up with me. Okay? It's, let me, amen. That's, you can amen. Go ahead, Claudia. You get me today. Uh, it's amazing to me that Darlene loves me. It, it really is. And because I, I, I'm not always easy to live with. I know that shocks you, but I'm not. And I'm so, stop it, Don, that was mean. He's shaking his head. No, he isn't. But I'm so grateful for, for the fact that we've been married for 39 years. But let me tell you something. My marriage is as vulnerable as anybody else's. Unless we are vigilant. Unless we, we, we love one another under the, under the grace and love of God, we can fail. There's no Christian here in the state where you can't be corrupted. Do you hear me? As perfect as your beautiful child may be, your child can be corrupted by the wrong influences. And we have to be on guards. And dads, I'm speaking to you for a minute. That should be our job. Honestly, we need to lead in this, man. We need to guard our families. And I know you well enough to know, many of you, I know you would throw yourself right in the way of harm to protect your spouse. You would step in the way of a speeding bullet for your child because you love them. And I'm saying to you that Satan, if he has his way, will kill your child, will destroy your marriage. That's what he does. We have an enemy that is trying to infill. And what I'm trying to say to you is what's sad to me is many of us act as if there's no problem. We act as if Satan isn't trying to destroy us. And I want you to understand there's no truce with the enemy. He hates you. He hates your family. He will do what he can to destroy you. And of course, he wants to hurt you through your family. He knows how to hurt you. And he will aim at them. Dads, we need to be praying people. We need to trust God and to call on God. Please don't ignore the advances of the uh, the home invaders. Don't be in denial. Face the truth that everyone in your family is a human being. And it can happen. You can have something happen that is terrible in your family. 1 Peter 5.9 calls on us to resist the devil. And men, we have a responsibility for our families to stand against him and resist him in the name of Jesus. The truth is, he is working to destroy your, your family, your whole household. That's his agenda. Be like the father in this story and recognize the danger. Please let's not ignore what he is trying to do. As a father, he sought the help of Jesus. And immediately you recognize that this is really a preacher's observation. And you're probably thinking, yeah, boy, you are sounding obvious today. Yes, of course he sought the Lord. That's what the story tells us. And I do point out to you that the, that the father here sought out the Lord without apology. Because who else would he go to? One of the gospel accounts, as I said, tells us that the boy had epilepsy. But this was a unique form of epilepsy because it was demon uh, due to demon possession. 
And let me say this to you. The Bible doesn't hide the fact, nor does it um, in some way try to suggest that it's gone away. The Bible doesn't hide the fact that demons possess people sometimes. And I have to tell you, it's not a thing of just the past. Demon possession exists today. You don't want to ever be possessed by a demon. You don't want somebody you love to ever be possessed by a demon. You, if you can avoid it, don't want to be around somebody possessed by a demon. It's absolute torture. It's horrible. It's horrible for them and it's horrible for people around them. You don't want to sense the thickness of that evil in close proximity to you. And this, this father, of course, sought the help of Jesus because the father had no power against this being that was killing his son. So without apology, I assert to you that the father bringing this boy to Jesus was the best thing he could do. I urge parents without apology, pray over and for your children. Pray over them. Bring them to the Lord. In prayer. How do we bring people? We, we don't, we're living in a different day. Remember, I've told you that in the, in the early New Testament, in the days that Jesus was on the earth and all the days prior, God was a God who would be with us. But now Christ dwells within us. And so we can bring our children to God in prayer. And there's a power to that. We can make an appearance in the throne room of God in the Spirit. And we can bring our children with us. And we can pray for them. And we can pray over them. And we, without apology, can admit that there are things in this world that are stronger than us. That have more influence over our children than we do, dads. So we must pray for them. And bring them before the Lord. So I'm going to advocate. As a preacher, for you to seek the help of Jesus. I'm guilty as charged about that. And I can't apologize. My greatest argument for doing such a thing is that the boy met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, he had epilepsy and he was possessed by an evil spirit. But when he walked away from Jesus, he was delivered and was no longer possessed by a demon. And the epilepsy never came back. I am convinced of that. So my argument for bringing people to Jesus is that it's Jesus. And he can heal. He can, he can save. He can deliver. And of course I am telling you, you should be bringing your family to the Lord. I advocate that you husbands pray with your wives and pray over them. And bring them to Jesus. Bring them to the one who is stronger than any disease. Bring them to the one who made a spectacle over the forces of evil. Bring them to the one who is the remedy for all of your children's sins. Bring them to the deliverer. Bring them to the healer. And bring them to the Savior. Our God is great. And of course you should go to Jesus. Of course you should bring it to Him. Because He is the one with the answers. He is the one who can do what we cannot do. He is an ever-present uh, uh, ever present help in the time of trouble. And so bring them to Jesus. I, I advocate that to you. I, I implore you, dads. Be men who pray for your families and represent uh, a love of Christ for your children. Lift them up to the Lord. Pray for your families. What an important role. That's what this guy did. As a father, he 
sought help from the Lord Jesus. And as a father, he ultimately trusted Jesus. I want to read these verses to you again. The man is speaking to Jesus. The spirit often throws this boy into the fire and or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us if and help us if you can. And Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can? Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Listen to me, please, for a moment. Like us all, this father had almost non-existent faith. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor Ken. Why are you saying like us all? You don't know how much faith I have. And I understand that. But as a whole, Christians in America have almost non-existent faith. How do I know that? Because Jesus said if we would have faith even the size of a mustard seed, we could stand in front of a mountain and say, Move from here and go over there, and it would happen in the name of Jesus. So we don't have big faith. I, I, I would love to tell you that somehow my faith has grown even to the size of a mustard seed, but the evidence isn't there. And so this father struggled with belief. And before we start beating this father up, let's understand that first and foremost, he watched his son be tormented by a demon, thrown to the ground year after year. It had been going on since his son was very young. He had watched his son as he convulsed and there was nothing he could do. He had seen the power of a demon on this kid's life and he could do nothing. Day after day, year after year, he watched his son almost die. And on top of that, this son, this father decides, I'm going to get some help. I'm going to find Jesus. And instead of finding Jesus first, Jesus was up on a mountain in the Mount of Transfiguration experience. And those of you who know the Bible know what that was about. You know that three of them went up and Jesus was transfigured before them. And it overwhelmed poor Peter. And he said something stupid about building shelters. And and Jesus was uh, whiter than white and brighter than bright. And and suddenly, you know, Peter and Jesus. John are overwhelmed and all of that. But then Jesus comes down. But in the meantime, the father found some of the disciples of Jesus. Please remember that Jesus had empowered and given authority to his disciples. And earlier, not that long removed from there, that they had gone out and they had cast demons out of people in the name of Jesus. They had gone out and done that. This man saw that or heard about it and somehow was emboldened. i got to find these men and have this demon cast out of my son. But something happened here. He found these disciples. His father found them. And the disciples did what they normally did. And to their surprise, as much as anybody else's, the demon would not leave. Because it's too powerful of a demon for them to cast out. And Jesus would say, this one won't come out without prayer. And I, I want to include the word fasting. Without real connection to the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. The Bible talks about the, the advent of people tearing down the strongholds of the enemy through prayer and fasting. And at times, that's what it takes. To have your child be delivered. Can I just quickly ask you dads. Would you be willing to skip lunch once in a while. And fast for your child if it would get them deliverance. I pray we would. And so this man watched as these these disciples could do nothing 
about his son's condition. And then as he sees Jesus, and he's explaining to Jesus, he brings his son toward toward Jesus. The moment that the demon sees Jesus there, the demon uh, casts this boy on the ground in front of the Lord. So I can see this father having his faith, what little he had, wilting away. Because his boy was convulsing right in front of the Savior. And so, of course, he says to Jesus, in in gut-level honesty, when Jesus asks how long it's been going on, he tells him, and he says, and he uses the words, if you can help. And that I love the honesty of this man, but what I love better is the response of Jesus. It wasn't a strong rebuke, but he said, what do you mean, if? (laughs) You, You have a misunderstanding about who's standing here in front of you. You're looking at that demon, and that demon's no match for me. It, and, and I want this to sink in. I pray you will hear what Jesus said to this man. Anything, anything is possible for those who believe. Anything. Anything, Dad. Anything is possible if you just believe in Jesus. Anything. Anything you desire can happen if you will believe. There's not a disease that Jesus can't overcome. There's no addiction or hold on your child's life that Jesus can't break. Anything can happen if you will believe in Jesus Christ. And we have reason as a church to kind of get a little bit of our faith built up. Don't we? We prayed for things that shouldn't have happened, but they happened because of a good God. Anything can happen. And, and, and I want us to remember that. But let me tell you, I don't fault this dad. And I love what the dad said. The dad immediately says, oh, I believe in you. Help me overcome my unbelief. I love his honesty. Could we please go there? Can I just be real transparent with you and say, that's my issue sometimes? That I believe that there's no problem with me believing that Jesus is the king of glory. There's no problem with me believing that God can do anything he wants to do. I know that as well as I know um, my name. I know it's true with every fiber of my being. That God is God. He can do all of this stuff. You want to know where my unbelief lies? My unbelief is 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 thwar- or, or, or develops or comes up. My doubts come up not because of him but because of my my sins. And sometimes I look at what has happened in my life in the past. And I want to, I'm tempted to say, and the devil comes right there and says, why would God listen to you? Because you did this and you did that and you thought that thought. And I'm thinking to myself sometimes, why would God want to hear my prayer? My obstacle sometimes is feeling very unworthy to ask God for anything. And I love what this man said. I believe in you. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I love that Jesus did, by the way. If you don't think he did, man, I don't know what story you're reading. Because instantly Jesus set that boy free. Instantly he, he stopped his conversation with the father. And he addressed that, that, that nasty, vile demon. And he commanded him to lead the boy and never go back into him again. 
I say praise the Lord for a God like that. You know why it happened? Because that man made himself absolutely vulnerable. And he said, okay, I'm going to just surrender everything to you and tell you the truth about myself. I, I believe. I believe in you. I know you have power. My unbelief is stuck in whether or not you want to do this. And then the Lord was able to give him the answer that he sought. And I am convinced with all of my heart that when Jesus delivered that little boy or that young man, whatever the case may be, from the grip of the demon, I believe that that boy's heart was clean and Christ entered into his heart. And I don't think he ever had a demon entering into him again. And I don't think, I don't think anything like his experiences in the past happened again. I think he was set free. I don't think he had one more convulsion. And I don't know what else to say, but praise the Lord. What a great God we serve. If God is willing, after next week um, where we have a closing program, and I'll be doing something a little different for next week, but but following, in weeks following, I'm going to preach a series, God Helping Me. Uh, I'm borrowing the title of an emphasis from our denomination, and the title is Made New. And the idea or the focus of it is this. It's on the ability of Jesus to transform lives. And make us new. The Lord tells us that he will give us a new heart. And he will make us new. And I want to show you people in the scripture. Who were made new by the power of our Savior. Because he gives hope to us through the word. These are real people. This story that we looked at today. It really happened. Just as it's uh, reported. Dads I want to encourage you. You have such influence and you have such an opportunity to pour into your children. Even if they're adults, you can be a praying dad. You can bring them to the Lord. Amen? And it makes a difference. Oh, there have been times when you or I have prayed for something from God and it didn't happen exactly as fast as we thought it should and the way that we thought it should. And then that would make us wonder. It was delayed coming and make us wonder, is God really... Listening to me, I'm sure the father, when when the, the disciples didn't cast the demon out, felt all of this discouragement. But eventually, God God did, just in right on time, God did what God can do. Amen? Can we trust in a God like that, church? Can we believe a God like that? I'm advocating that. I'm advocating that we begin to really believe today. Let's pray together. You're bowing your heads, and I won't take very long. But I just wonder, as I'm, I'm about to lead you in prayer, if there is a... First of all, let me talk to you dads. Is there a father here who would say, you know what, Pastor Ken? I believe God directed you to preach this message to speak to me about some things. And I would covet your prayers as a dad. And all I'm asking you to do is lift your hand. I'm not asking you to identify what that may be. But just would you this week pray for me as a dad that I would honor God. That I would do better in some areas that the Lord is speaking to me about. Are there any dads who want to do that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Several. Yes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I want to do better. Thank you very much. Is there any young person here today? Who has felt just so lost and disconnected. And like life isn't going very well. And you've struggled. I mean if you were honest. You don't. You don't have faith. 
you're really struggling with it. Is there, and I just specifically am asking the young people for a minute. Is there someone here who would say, Pastor Ken, I'm really struggling to believe. And I'd appreciate your prayers. Would you be willing to lift your hand up? I will pray for you this week. I'm really battling faith. Thank you. Is there anybody else in this room, young or old, who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with my faith. I need prayer. Thank you. Finally, I'm going to ask that you join me in just a moment as I pray. And if you are married, I want you to pray for your spouse quietly before God. Just pray for them. And if you have children, I want to ask you, mothers and fathers, pray for your children. Name them to the Lord. You have one that's lost. I was reminded the other day of one of my children that I've been praying for a long time. And um, I, I remember very clearly um, I was sobbing. And I was praying, God, don't let my son go to hell. And I was sobbing. And the Holy Spirit said something to me that helped me. He reminded me that, first of all, he is a God who hears prayers. And second of all, that he loves my son more than I ever could. And that helped me. Father, we come to you and we thank you that you are our God. And we thank you for speaking to us here today. We thank you, Lord, for the example of a father who ultimately put his faith and his trust completely in Jesus and saw his son delivered. What a powerful, wonderful thing that happened. We thank you, Jesus, that you are greater than all the demons of hell put together. And with a word, you vanquished them. We thank you that our Savior's blood cleanses all sin and sets men and women free. And we thank you that you know how to transform lives. And I pray, Lord, with everyone who's married here today as they lift their spouses to you. And I ask your blessing in their prayers. I pray also, Father God, for every parent here, every grandparent, who's lifting up children by name. And I ask, oh God, you honor those prayers in the name of Jesus. I pray for any young person who is just drifting and lost and confused and not even sure if they believe in you. I ask, Father, that you make so clear to them who you are. And you would save them before it's too late. I pray, Father, for your will to be done in our congregation. That we won't just hear become a group of people that is something like an inch wide and or an inch deep and a, and a mile wide. We want to be deep. We want to be your people. We want to be the real deal. Pray it happens, Father. Minister here. Minister to our hearts. And Father, we finish this time together in your house with this. We want to tell our Heavenly Father, we love you. Oh, bless your name. Father, you're a good, good father. And we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.